Good morning, Next Level. It's great to see you. Uh, it is great to be back from Texas. My wife and kids and I were in Amarillo, Texas last weekend uh, working with the church out there. And uh, some Amarillo fans. Wow, good. Good, good job. Uh, my kids, it was the funniest thing, you guys. My kids thought it was hilarious that everybody said y'all all the time. Like to all the waitresses, you know, they'd be like, what do y'all want to drink? You know, my boys are like you know, laughing. I'm like, boys, they think that's normal here. (laughs) They didn't understand. Anyway, it is great to be home. uh, Next level style. Wow. And we are in this series that we're calling Xmas. Who stole Jesus? And in the original, uh, some of the original concepts of what this could look like, the series or like the graphic could look like, like we had visions of a manger scene with no Jesus in the manger. And it was like the wise men going, Type of deal, but we didn't, we didn't, that got nixed, uh, that we didn't really do that. Well, Mike started this series last week, and if you missed part one of Who Sold Jesus, you got to get online at nextlevelchurch.com or, uh, or on iTunes, search Next Level Church, and listen to Pastor Mike's message last week, because guys, he nailed it. He nailed the essence of what we at Next Level Church are feeling and, and our heart uh, desire to make Christmas everything that God wants this Christmas season to be, because biblically, when when you look at the Christmas story, it's this picture, isn't it, of this, this peaceful, beautiful, serene, sort of just, you know, quiet moment in the presence, and there's Jesus, and, you know, the shepherds, and the whole thing, and yet when you look at our culture today, it is like anything but that, isn't it? I mean, it is crazy out there. It's crazy. I tried to do some Christmas shopping yesterday, and as I'm walking, when I got to the mall, there were plenty of spaces, and we parked in the back, and it was cool. And so when I'm coming out, my, my eight-year-old Will and I are walking out, you know, to the car, and there are like five cars, like big SUVs that are like, give me your spot, you know. And we're walking out, you know, and like we're walking, you know, I'm just like, just stay close, buddy. It's okay. Merry Christmas to you, Mr. Lowenstein, you know, <laughs> and like this guy, like, they threw, he had his windows down, because it's Florida, what's up now, it's not 29 degrees in Amarillo, and we had, our, he had his windows down, and he, he looks at me, and he goes, you leaving? Where's your spot? And I'm like, oh, it's back here, and he goes, <laughs> and I'm like, Merry Christmas, right? I mean, what happened to Peaceful Serene at the mall? It's crazy out there. See, the culture, is it's trying to steal Jesus. Who sold Jesus last week? Mike answered the question this way. We did. Today, we're answering the question this way. The culture did, right? I mean, look around our culture. It is crazy. The packages, the gifts, the money, the economy, the whole deal, the mall, the parking spaces, the food, the luggage, the, just all the craziness, right? And then put in then. Never mind the fact that everywhere that we used to see and hear Christmas, we now hear holiday. It's not a Christmas tree, it's a holiday tree. It's not a Christmas break, it's a holiday break. For crying out loud, I'm guilty of it. I find myself going, happy holidays. Happy holidays? What is that? What is happy holidays? It's Christmas. Jesus was here first. Right? This is Christmas. And yet everywhere we look... We recognize that the culture is trying to steal Jesus out of the holiday, out of Christmas. And that's what I want us to talk about this morning for a few minutes during our time together. I want, I want you and I to, to unpack a little bit this, this whole thing that maybe we feel, maybe we don't feel it as much, but certainly in the holidays, it's, it's like this, it's almost exaggerated, isn't it? That the culture is like hijacking our faith. 
you feel this like this drift, don't we? This cultural drift. And that's what I want us to, to talk about for a few minutes because whether we realize it or not, there is a natural drift in our culture away from God. Isn't there? I mean, it's, again, the holidays sort of exploit it and make us realize it, you know, in a, in a big way. But you just, you don't have to look too far along our culture to begin to recognize that, that it's pulling us away, the games our children are playing. If you have teenagers and they have a rock band thing or a guitar thing, it's like, wow, or, or whatever. I mean, you don't, right? We start looking around our culture and you start to realize our culture is in a drift. It's like, it's like sliding down the wrong hill. There's this push. It's like a current. It's like the river of a mighty current that's pushing, that's warring against our faith, that's pushing people away from God. Matter of fact, there's, there's this really interesting passage in the Bible. It's found in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. And if you brought your Bible, would, would you turn there with me? Because in 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, we're reading, we're actually looking into a letter that was written from the great Apostle Paul, who's one of the just heroes of the faith who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, that guy. The great Apostle Paul is writing a letter to one of his young apprentices named Timothy. Now, Timothy was a a, a local church pastor in a city called Ephesus, this big major metropolitan city, and Timothy is a young man who's who's trying to pastor these people, trying to, to dig into these guys, trying to find them. And Timothy is trying to engage the culture, but what he's finding is the same thing that many of us feel and are finding in our culture today, which is there's this cultural drift thing going on. And so Timothy, this young pastor, is trying to figure out what to do about it. So, so the great apostle Paul writes Timothy this letter. And I, I want us to look at this, because look at what he says. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says this. But mark this. T- Paul's like, Timothy, r- underline this. Write this down. Don't, don't let this slip by you too quick. There will be terrible times in the last days. He says, listen, the further we get from when Jesus was on the earth, the worse it's going to get. And then in verse 2, he starts to unpack what some of this terrible time stuff is, is going to look like. Look what he says. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their, to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Verse 3, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. Sound like anyone you know? Brutal, not lovers of good. Verse 4, he goes on. Treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Doesn't that sound like like America? Doesn't that look a lot like, like us? And notice how Paul finishes a verse. He, he's like, oh, and by the way, Timothy, yeah, I have nothing to do with such people. He's like, listen, th- this should be a very strong indicator, Timothy, that the culture is a runaway train and it's running in the wrong direction. And man, doesn't that feel and look and sound like the holiday season around us? It's, it is. It's like this river, this mighty river where the current is just just railing down, just, just bombarding us. And, and see, this is why the culture around us is getting worse, not better. Even though technology is getting greater, even though the world's getting smaller, even though all of those wonderful things are happening, it doesn't feel like any of that has the power 
to turn the culture, does it? To turn this tide, does it? There's this, there's this natural drift away from God. And so here's what we have to understand. This, this drift, it's been going on for thousands of years. I mean, from the time that Adam and Eve decided to not go God's way, to, to not do what God wanted, God made it very clear. He's like, listen, here's the deal. You can eat from any other trees, do whatever you want. Just stay away from that one tree. And Adam, we all heard the story, I'm sure. Adam and Eve said, forget what God says. We're going to do our own thing because that tree looks enticing. So they went after it. And sin entered the human race. And see, here's the thing. From that moment forward, the minute sin entered the human race, here's what happened. It was as if sin gave the culture a shove in the wrong direction. And here we are, several thousand years later, still feeling the effects of this, of this shove in our culture that sin gave to the world. And now here we are several thousand years later going, man, where is God? How far away from God's original plan have we gotten? That's the cultural drift that we're feeling today. So who sold Jesus? The culture has. And I guess the, the reality is all of this talk can feel rather hopeless and overwhelming, can it? I mean, it's like, great, Matt. Wow, thanks. Really hoping to get encouraged today, bro. Thanks for pepping us up. Way to go. Nice. <laughs> That's like one of the most powerful things you can do to somebody, isn't it? Is go. Like you don't have to say a word. You can just be like, oh. and people know, don't they? So stop doing that to me because that makes me feel weird up here. I, I mean, uh, uh, really, you start looking at all this stuff. You start talking about this. You spend too much time here and it's like, man, it, I mean, the world quite literally is going to hell in a handbasket and apparently there's not much we can do about it. Except that that's, that's not entirely true. See, in, in order to combat this, this cultural drift, this current, this mighty current that is in our culture that's caused by sin, in order to combat that force, in order to turn that tide, it requires a greater force than the culture to turn that, that tide, as a matter of fact, Jesus talked about this when he was on the earth. Uh, he made a statement on the night before he went to the cross. The, the night before he died, Jesus is hanging with his disciples. They do the Last Supper thing. They're there, communion, the whole deal. And Judas betrays him. And Jesus is like, do whatever you want. And, and then Peter, he looks at Peter. And Peter's like, I'm not going to turn my back on you. And Jesus is like, you're going to punk me too. Just trust me, I promise. And Peter's like, no, I'm not. He's like, yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. The whole deal. And then there's this rooster in a change. He's like, before the rooster crows, you're going to be, this, this whole deal. And, and then after that, they, they leave the upper room. And they go out to this vineyard. And Jesus knows, my time here on earth is coming to an end. This, this is, the window is closing. and I've only got a few more hours before I'm going to be off the scene and these disciples are going to be required to pick up the ball and run with it. And Jesus understood about this, this cultural drift caused by sin. So he is just downloading. There's this incredible exchange in John like 14, 15, 16, 17, those few chapters in there where Jesus is just like nonstop. I mean, he is just like downloading to them and he's just telling them, listen, it's going to get ugly. It's, it's, there's going to be, he's just like, just giving it to them. And there's this verse in John chapter 16, verse 33, where, 
where Jesus, in the night before he goes to the cross, he looks at his disciples and he starts to unpack a little bit of what we're talking about today. Look what he says. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And then he makes a statement. In this world, oh, you're going to have trouble. He's like, listen, guys, it's not going to be easy. The, the, the drift of the culture, the current of the culture is going to push people away from God. In this world, you're going to have trouble. But then he made that statement up front. Did you see that? He said, but I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. He's like, listen, the, the reason I'm kind of forewarning you about this whole cultural drift thing, that the, the, the sin is pushing people away, the whole thing. He said, the reason why is so that you can understand going through it. That there's peace in me. And, and here's how. He says, because in this world you will have trouble. But look at the next part of the verse. But take heart. And then look at the statement Jesus makes at the end of the verse. Look at this. For I have overcome the world. Jesus is like, yeah, you know that cultural drift thing that's going on that's, that's pushing people further away from God? Good news. I'm greater than that. I've overcome that. Jesus reminds his disciples right then and there that yes, it takes a greater force to turn the tide of culture. And he's like, guess what? I'm that greater force, baby. It's me, Jesus said. I'm the reason. And here, this, I love this. Check this out. The Christmas season where we celebrate Jesus coming to this earth, this is our reminder that Jesus is that greater force. That's what Christmas is all about. It's a recognition for us that Jesus is the greater force. Not Buddha, not Krishna or Muhammad or Allah or, or Hindu gods like we saw temples, the Hindu gods all over India a few weeks ago. My goodness, not New Age crystals, not even happy, happy, feel good, positive thinking, secret stuff. No, all roads don't lead to God. They're not all created equal. In fact, Jesus went on record earlier in the book of John as saying this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one gets to God except through me, Jesus said. Jesus wanted everyone to know very clearly there's only one force in the universe that can turn this cultural drift that we're experiencing caused by sin and it's me it's Jesus he said I am that greater force that can turn the tide and Christmas for us is a reminder of that fact and I love it I mean it's not even it's not even about good works either I mean we can't be good good enough to work our way into the good graces of God it's just not possible I don't care how much good we do it's not possible for us. See, see we, don't, we don't do good works so that we can earn our way into right standing with God. We do, we do good works in our life. We, we, we do the five weeks of service. We serve our community. We, we do all of that out of expression of gratitude for what God has done for us, for what Jesus did for us in dying on the cross. See, being nice, being a good person it won't get us there. We need a Savior. But the good news of Christmas is that Jesus is that Savior. 
And that's why it's not a holiday tree. That's why it's not a holiday break. That's why it's Christmas. Because Jesus came so he could die on the cross, so that he could be the greater force to turn the, the tide of the culture. That's what Christmas is all about. Bring it. Anyway. Oh, okay, but I, I got it. <laughs> that was kind of uncalled for. <clears throat> I'm aware of that. My wife will tell me later. I'm good. There's accountability systems built in. Um, okay. Uh, is it hot up here? <laughs> it's just me. Um, you look beautiful, though. Wow. You're, honey, you're gorgeous. That, my wife, everybody. Um, okay, so, like, here's the best news, though. Check this out. And this is what they don't tell you around the holidays. Christmas wasn't the only indwelling of this greater force. That when, when Jesus came, he came to be that greater force that could, could turn the tide of the culture, that could push against this cultural drift. But when Jesus went off the scene, again, rewind, same night, John 14, 15, 16, 17, that, that night before the, the whole the thing and the Peter and the rooster and the deal, and then Jesus in the download, in John chapter 14, earlier in that evening, Jesus makes a statement to, to, to his disciples. And look at what he says. As he's going off the scene, verse 25, he says this. All this I've spoken while still with you. He's like, listen, again, heads up. I'm telling you this before I leave so that you don't get freaked out when it all starts to unroll, unravel. When it comes to pass, I don't want you to, to worry about it. I, I'm, that's why I'm telling you this while I'm still with you. Verse 26, look what he says. But the advocate or the counselor, look at this. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, listen, when I go off the scene, yes, I am that greater force that can push against the cultural drift caused by sin. But when I go off the scene, the Father is going to send into each one of you who are my followers a power, a presence greater than even the presence of Jesus. And that presence is the Holy Spirit. Later in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, it's in your bulletin there. We read these words. Listen to this. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Talking about the evil forces that are pushing the culture in the wrong direction. That whole thing. Because, look at this. I love this. I may karate kick again right here because this is good news. Watch. Because the one who is in you, speaking of that Holy Spirit inside of us, the one who's in you is greater than the one who's in the world. So here's the best news of all. When Jesus left the scene and went to be with the Father, the Father sent the Holy Spirit to indwell us, to live in us, so that you and I, when in unity, could combat, could, could live out that greater force and push against the cultural drift as well. God's placed His Holy Spirit in us, guys, so that we can have the strength to do good. So that we don't have to just try and, and be good or do good works on our own. But God's placed his Holy Spirit in us, guys, so that we can so that we can do good. Because of him, not in our own strength, not in our own abilities, but in his strength, in his power, in his abilities. 
God's placed his Holy Spirit in us. Secondly, to be a guide for us so that you and I can know how to do right. That when we line up our lives according to this book, in and of ourselves, we don't have the ability to live like God wants us to live. But when the power of the Holy Spirit's at work in our life and we say, okay, God, I can't do this on my own, but you in me, I can. He gives us the ability to know what is right and what is wrong and how to take the right steps and how to walk the right path. God gives us the ability to do that. He guides us to do right. And the third thing the Holy Spirit does when he comes into our life is he gives us the supernatural force to collectively be able to push against this cultural drift that's going on in our world. We've been given the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Christmas is all about. Jesus came, but then when Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, and then went to be with the Father, he put his spirit in us so that you and I, the body of Christ, believers in Jesus, can push against the cultural drift happening all around us. So I guess the question for us to consider this morning is, which, which force, so to speak, are we under? today? Are, are, do we find ourselves today living under the weight or the force, the push, the drift of the culture? And ma- maybe there are many of us who find ourselves there, that we, we find ourselves at a place where we're going, I, I'm, I, I don't know what it is, I just kind of keep getting sucked in, I keep getting pushed in. Maybe others of us, you know, we're feeling that pull. Are, are, we, being, are we being led by the cultural drift around us? Or are we being led by the Holy Spirit inside of us? And this morning as we close, I want to I ask us two questions. The first question pertains to, to Jesus. Because it's quite possible that there are many of us who have come into this place today. And when it comes to you and Jesus, you've kind of just been nominal or you've just been distant. Or, or you know that, there's, that you've never really responded to the reason he came. Well, the reason Jesus came, the reason we pause as a culture and celebrate Christmas is because there's... There's more than just a baby in a manger in a stable in a Bethlehem. Because see, that baby grew up and 33 years later was put to death on a cross. And when he died on that cross, he died for the sin of mankind. He died for you and I. So that you and I could know what it is to be forgiven. So that you and I could know what it is to be in right relationship with God. That's why Jesus came. And maybe you're here today. Maybe you're listening today. And you know that you've never responded to that. You've never put your faith in that. Well, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. It's very simple. It's a free gift where we just pause in a moment like this and we go, okay, God, I'm yours. I acknowledge that the sin thing has caused me to drift away from you. But I believe that what you did on the cross when you came to this earth is payment for that sin. And I I want to confess that and I want to come into relationship with you. And I I want to this morning give us an opportunity to do that, to respond, if that's you. So all over this room, can we just bow our heads for a moment? I I just want to take this opportunity. I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you. I just, I want to give you a chance to respond because I believe that there are many of you who are here today and your heart is open. Your heart is is wide open for this and and you feel like a tug down inside of you, that's God, that's the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart saying respond, this is you. And I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you up front or do anything like that. 
I just want to give you a chance in the stillness of this moment, seated right where you are, to respond to Jesus and to come across that line and say yes. If that's you and you'd like to be included in that prayer, will you just, in the stillness of this moment, every head bowed, this is just between you and me and God, would you just slip your hand up real quick so I can see it? More importantly, so God can see it. Awesome, awesome, great, wow, wow, all over this room. All over this room, great. Once you put it up, you can put it back down. That's great. Anybody else, you'll just say, Matt, include me in on that. I gotta, I gotta get in on that. Wow, awesome. Are there others? Are there others who will just say, Matt, that's me. Include me in on that. This can be your moment where Jesus comes into your heart and you begin this relationship with God. Well, Father, for so many who are seated here today, Lord, I I just pray on behalf of all of us and on behalf of so many of them who have taken a small step and expressed their faith by lifting their hand. God, you see the work that's going on in their heart. And Jesus, we just acknowledge right where we're seated today, right where we're listening, that God, we're sinners and that this sin thing has caused us to drift away from you. But God, we just acknowledge that today and we believe that what you, Jesus, did by coming to the earth and dying on the cross for us is sufficient payment for that sin. And so right now, right where we are, we just accept you in and we say, would you come in and and just wash us clean of that sin that separates and cause us to be drawn near to you. Lord, we thank you that right now in this moment, you're beginning a personal relationship between us and you, the God of the universe. We thank you for that work today. In Jesus' name we pray. And all across this room, everyone said, amen. Pastor Scott's going to come and talk to those of you who lifted your hand in a few minutes. But before he, he does that, I want to ask us another question. And as we, as we do, I, I just want us to conclude our time together here by not only having a time of prayer for all of us, but I want us to worship a little bit too. I just, I've asked the worship team to come again because I want us to sing that song, Oh, come let us adore him. Because God is here. And as we said earlier in our time together, when he is lifted up, he, he will draw us, all men, unto himself. And can we just take a moment just now in the stillness of this time and just Begin to open our hearts to God today and sing that song together. Oh, come, let us adore Christ the Lord. Oh, come, let us adore Oh, come, let us adore
second area I want to pray for us about today is for all of us who are followers of Christ. Because at the end of my message, I talked about this indwelling, this indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And that without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we really find ourselves at a place where where we're trying to push against a culture that's, that's dragging us away from God. But see, when Jesus left, God the Father placed His Spirit in us to give us power and strength and ability to overcome the power of the culture. And so this morning, I, I want us to pray as we leave today. Because maybe you're like me and, and you feel like, you know, your bucket is full of God on Sunday and you're like, Ooh. but then by like, I don't know, two o'clock, you feel like, I mean, it depends on how long you sit in traffic. You feel like, I mean, your bucket just gets slammed by the world and the boss and the responsibilities and the kids and the traffic and all of the stuff of life. And you're just like, what happened to all oh my God? It's just, I'm empty again. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life like never before. Because there is a culture that is pushing against us. And so right now, right where you're standing, I just, I just want to pray for us today, myself included. That God would just fill us anew and afresh with His Holy Spirit. If you're a believer in Jesus, then He's placed His Spirit inside of you. And He wants to fill you and touch you today. And He wants to, to take over where we in and of ourselves fall short. We can just fall back on the Holy Spirit and say, Okay, God, you give me the ability to love my spouse the way you want me to. You give me the ability to navigate through my life. You give me the ability to put up with that co- uh, co-worker in my office who drives me nuts. You give me the ability, God, to parent my kids or my grandkids the way you want me to. You give me the ability, God, to be everything I need to be so that I can combat this cultural drift happening around me every day. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit does for us in our lives. So across this room, if you just if you need a touch, a fresh filling of God today, would you just, as an expression of your faith, just open your hands or lift your hands to Him or sit there or do whatever you want. But just open your heart today to our God. And Father, right now, Lord, so many of us, God, hundreds of us, Lord, we just, we lift our hands as an expression of our faith to you and we say, God, come and fill us up. Lord, we know that life has a way of just beating it out of us, God, of just beating us down. And so, God, right now, Lord, we pause in this moment, this moment of adoring you and of praising you to say, Lord, would you come and fill us? God, I pray right now, Lord, across this room. That we would just be filled and new and afresh with the power of the Holy Spirit, God, your presence in our life that gives us the ability to overcome the cultural drag, to give us the ability, God, to be the spouse we need to be, to, to be the follower of Jesus you've called us to be, to be the employee or the employer you've called us to be, God, to be the mother or father, God, that you've called us to be, Lord. We need the power of your Spirit in our life. So, God, we just drink you in right now, God. We just, we just receive it, God. Lord, even as we worship you, God, thank you that your word says that when we exalt you, that when we lift you up, you will draw us to you. And God, that's what we pray right now. In this moment, God, come and fill us, Jesus. Fill us with your mercy, God. Fill us with your grace. We could go and be lights. 